told me that was the first song they sang when they come here, came here in 1970. So that was the first one they did together. They're still together, and that's good. We appreciate that so much. I know the answer to the question before I ask it. You ever had one of those days? Lately? Ever had one of those days? Some people, it is interesting, will choose to stay home on Friday the 13th. They just don't want to face it. Just connectophobia, I think they call that. I saw a bumper sticker that was interesting to me. If you were having a bad day, it would have gotten your attention. Just four words, but I liked them. Have a nice eternity. Usually bumper stickers say other things that I don't really want to repeat in church, but that one was pretty good. Have a nice eternity. It, it made me think, you know, as Christians, we might have some bad days, but we can rejoice always because but our eternity is secure. No matter what happens. And I like that. Let's pray to God. Father, remind us of that truth, that we are secure in Christ, if we are in Christ, if we are believers, that no matter what happens to us, we'll overcome. We'll be with you. Father, we are thankful for that truth. So help us to be prepared to have a nice eternity. Help us to be able to rejoice always because we are secure. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to start reading in Acts chapter 16. I begin at verse 16. Words will be on the screen if you'd like to read along there. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that, well, that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Wherever they went, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they told you that they come and tell you how to be saved. How long would that take till they got on your nerves? Going to prayer all? This man's a deacon in the church, and he's wanting to tell you how to be saved. Every story you went into, they're behind you. You go to the Falcons game, and they're right behind you going, that one goes to church, and he wants to be here to tell you. How long that will take, but, well, went on for several days. In the beginning, verse 18 and Acts 16, Paul, it got over his nerves. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he, he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Instantly it left her. And her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. Remember, she was this cash cow telling fortunes. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob 
quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Talk about a bad day. Paul and Silas are in the middle of it. In a dungeon, with their feet in stocks, beaten with wooden rods. But it gets better. I love the rest of the story beginning in verse 25. And is some great truth here that will help us today. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors they immediately flew open. The chains of every prisoner and they just fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open and he assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself, we're all here. The jailer, he called for lights, ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, Sir, what must I do to be saved? I need what you have. They replied, Believe the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. If they believe, they'll be saved. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. And even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. He and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house. He set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said you and Silas are free to leave and go in peace. Paul replied, they've publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. And then they brought them out and begged them to just leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. It is no doubt that Paul and Silas had some tough times, some bad days. If you read through the life of Paul, you see so many things happen to him. But for Paul and Silas, and I think about them having a nice eternity, their eternity has been, is, and will be spectacular. They indeed have had a nice and will have a nice, spectacular eternity. Very soon we're going to begin a series on heaven. And we're going to talk for several weeks about what heaven is like. I look forward to that. As I get ready and study, it's 
it leads back to action. The ox of heaven had always described by the prophet Amos. Amos describes it as an eternal bad day. In chapter 5, verses 18 to 20, we find these words. What sorrow awaits you who say, if only the day of the Lord were here in judgment? You have no idea what you're wishing for. That day will bring darkness, not light, to unbelievers. And that day you'll be like a man who runs from a lion only to be a bear. That's not a good event, is it? It gets worse. Escaping from the bear, he leans his hand against the wall in his house and he's bitten by a snake. Amos had a way to swerve, didn't he? Yesterday the Lord will be dark and hopeless without a ray of joy or hope for the unbeliever. If you're here and you're a believer, you are exempt from that. While it is true that even a child of God can have a bad day, and Scripture should prepare you for that. John 16, 33, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Not might have, not could have, you will have. <coughs> Scripture prepares us Take heart, because I've overcome the world. A bad day will not have the last word. A bad day will not define you. A bad day will not defeat you. Look at the prayer list and you think about friends that are going through so much. And in the emails that Kathy sent me this week, it was interesting. Uh, with Mac, some of the things that he said, one thing that really caught my attention that Matt kept saying to his wife, because this time might not be much longer, he kept saying to, to her, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Isn't that good of a way to live? It's Friday, the day Christ died, but Sunday's coming, the day he arose. And so Matt is in a tough time right now, but Sunday's coming. I need to remind myself of that, no matter what I'm going through. And if it's bad, it's Friday. Romans 8.28 you've heard this verse many times says we know that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose I was on the streets of Akron Mississippi many years ago when I was talking to a lady and her husband was dying of leukemia. And she looked at me and she said, Brother Dave, if anybody quotes Romans 8, 28 to me one more time, I'm going to punch it in the nose. <coughs> because she was in the middle of a tough time and she wasn't sure how this was a good thing. And she was thinking short term, not long term. She was thinking Friday, not Sunday. We can do that if we're not careful. I think in one of the Caring Bridge emails I got about Mac, his wife Patty, used scripture from 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For our present troubles are small and they will last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. 
For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Isn't that another way to say it might be Friday when Sunday's coming? Absolutely. What I love about Paul and Silas is what they did with their bad day. After the beating, after the dungeon, after the stops. Verse 25 of chapter 16 says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. I ask myself, what would I have been doing at midnight if they had done that to me? Singing and hymns and praying? I hope so. I might have been beating the, I've seen enough jail movies with the cup, and the, I might have been beating the bars with the cup and making a racket screaming, get me out of here. <coughs> Not Paul and Silas, they do something that we need to be reminded of every day. Singing, praying, and others were listening. Jailer got saved and his family was all died. Probably others too. How do you handle situations? How do you handle bad days? Joseph Scriven had a bad day. He was engaged and his fiancée drowned the night before they were to marry. He moved to a different town, got engaged again, and his fiancée contracted a disease and died before they could be married. Not too far after that, his mother became ill. And he sent his mother a poem to cheer her up after his two fiancés had died and now his mother's on her way out. You know the poem, you sing it. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? Absolutely. We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? Cumbered with a load of care, precious Savior, still our refuge, take it to the Lord in prayer. Do your friends despise forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield you. You will find a solace there. Blessed Savior, thou hast promised, thou wilt all our burdens bear. May we ever, Lord, be bringing all to thee in earnest Soon in glory, bright, bright, unclouded, there will be no need for prayer. Rapture, praise, and endless worship will be our sweet portion there. I'm never singing that song without thinking of Joseph's scripture. Prayer will change your tough times and praise. It's a matter of focus. Our problems or our God. I remember as a teenager learning to water ski. David Beasley was probably with me. I think Charlie Duncan was with me, and I don't know whose boat it was. Or probably
probably Lake Lanier, I don't know, but they were teaching us to ski. And if you learned how to ski, you would, I think I was, maybe you get probably wearing a ski jacket and you've got boats and you're getting them pointed out, but they tell you to keep your knees bent and to hold on, and that's what I did. One thing they did not tell me that I probably should have known intuitively, but I did not, is when you fall, it's a good idea to let go of the rope <laughs> with a boat going 40 miles an hour. So I get up and I ski a little bit and something happens and I fall. But because I wasn't paying attention to the lesson or because I just wasn't right, I just kept holding on to the rope. And so there, like a little torpedo, I was going through the water for a while and drinking half of the lake and finally I had one sense to let go. And they picked on me for that. You remember that? <laughs> a little bit. God must be looking at us sometimes and wondering, why don't you let go? Why don't we let go? Because so often we hold on to problems and difficulties and we can't sleep and our mind does things to us. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Paul and Silas let go. In fact, they gave us the formula for getting out of a pity party, out of a bad day. Prayer plus praise equal deliverance. Prayer plus praise equal deliverance. It might not come as fast as it does for them, but it will come. You might have to pray a lot. You might have to praise a lot. But what happens is when you do that, your mind is off your problems. And they start to shrink away. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation in the middle, in a minute, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And when we do that, the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Because we're delivered through our prayer and through our praise. Last week was a little tough for me. I had my birthday and numbers don't bother me, but my brother Charlie died on Easter Sunday morning and he called me every birthday for the past since we could talk. It didn't matter where in the world he was. And I didn't get a call from my brother Charlie on my birthday. I thought a lot about that. And then I went to my brother Don's house because they're having an estate sale because they're moving to the lake and I thought I'm not going to be going to East Cobb an awful lot to see my brother anymore. And then I go to my cousin, my favorite cousin, my Chiquan's house in Lawrenceville, and they're moving and selling their house. And I thought I won't be going back there. I talked to a friend in Indiana who started crying and saying, I don't have anybody to talk to now that you're gone, and it made me feel this small. And another friend had a doctor tell him something he didn't want to hear. And I was kind of down. We were sitting at the table eating supper, and Jeannie looked at me and said, what is wrong with you? I was in the middle of a pity party and a bad day, and so Reverend Jeannie reminded me, <laughs> prayer plus, plus praise equals deliverance. She didn't use those words, but that's exactly what she said, and I appreciate that. Let's pray together. Father, no matter where we are in our journey, we all have our stories. We've all had our tough times. It is my prayer today that we all have Jesus. 
that we all would have that inclination to pray more than worry, to praise more than complain, and to realize that it might be Friday for Sunday's coming. Father, thank you for the example of Paul and Silas. Thank you for the great truth in what they did. Thank you for their witness, and we pray for ours. And Father, it is our prayer that all of us know you, and that we would all turn our eyes upon you. And those things, well, they'll go away. Father, what a friend.